Hey guys, if you are struggling to stay focused, I get it. With everything that's going on in the world right now, it feels a little bit like Groundhog's Day. The kids are always here, and so there is no difference between Monday and Saturday. And it's one of those reasons that I want to make sure that you guys know about our Start Today brand. Start Today began with my Start Today journal. Several years ago, I came up with this product for myself that would help me to practice gratitude and to make sure that my goals were crystal clear in my mind as part of my morning routine. At the beginning of this year, I launched my priority planner, which was a way for you to take the biggest goal in your life and break it down into bite-sized pieces so that you could actually start to make traction. So if you have not checked them out yet, oh my gosh, go to starttoday.com and check out our newest line available in Target stores all over the US and of course at target.com. If you know that right now you need to stay on task, you need to stay on target, please check out these products. I think that you will love them as much as I do. Starttoday.com or target.com to start today the right way. Rise Conference is back on. Well, I mean, I guess it was always on, but we put tickets on sale a couple of months ago, and I don't know if you heard, but our women's conference sold out in 27 minutes. Almost 4,000 people. 27 minutes. It's bananas. We were super happy. A lot of people online, super bummed out because so many of you have looked forward to going. So many of you have been saving up money. So many of you wanted to experience Rise Weekend for yourselves. Well, sister, we got you. We are coming in hot to Garland, Texas. Come on, you knew I had to do the great state of Texas, right? It's about 20 minutes outside of Dallas. It's an awesome, incredible space, and it's happening in July. July 18th, 19th, and 20th, to be exact. So if you want to experience Rise Weekend, get your cowboy boots out, get a hat. You don't have to. Uh, But make sure you're ready for January 28th. Tickets will go on sale. And I don't know how it could be possible that we would sell out again, but we might. And you don't want to miss out on your chance to buy your tickets. For more information, go to thehollisco.com. Hey guys, on this week's episode of the Rise Podcast, I'm sharing a recent keynote speech from Growth Summit. If you're curious uh, what a motivational speaker is all about or what I sound like on stage, check out this episode. So uh, so I'm going to talk to you guys about all sorts of things today, but before we get into it, I wanted to ask you for a few things. So this is what I need to be the most awesome speaker I can possibly be for you. And this is what you need to do to get the most out of our time together. The first thing that I need you to do is respond. Meaning, or more specifically, I am a Pentecostal preacher's daughter. Who knows what that means, okay? If you don't talk back to me, I think you're dead. I think that carbon monoxide has infiltrated the building and we lost you, okay? So I need you to respond. So when I say like, anyone know what I'm talking about? Then you might say something like, yeah. And um, I also like things that are very churchy if it feels appropriate to you, like, oh, that's good. Anyone grow up in a church where they would be like, amen, or or, that'll carry, or you ain't never told a lie. Like I want any of those things, just bring them to me, okay? Yes, you will respond. The second thing that I need you to do is to keep your energy up. So I know that you're sitting right now, but you can actively sit in those chairs. Has anyone ever been to UPW? There's a shockingly low amount of people who've been to UPW in this room. Yesterday, when they asked us to tell a story about the thing that we were most passionate about, I sold Randy on going to UPW because I feel so strongly about it. But honestly, there's this thing. Now I'm just going to steal it. Pretend I didn't say that. Pretend this is my idea. So there's this thing, you can actively listen. And honestly, one of the easiest things to do is pretend that Beyonce song is still on, shaking in that chair. 
You know what I'm talking about, it. Shake it, shake it in the chair. Wake yourself up. Because guess what? I'm gonna give it my all. I am not going to, I'm gonna like leave it all on this stage in this room. I'm going to do that. I am exhausted. I've been traveling nonstop. I've got four kids at home that I have to go back to you guys. Four kids is like 1,000 kids. I have to raise all of them. I gotta go back. I'm so tired and I'm going to bring it so hard. I'm gonna fight so hard for you. You've gotta be willing to fight that hard for yourself. If you cannot stay energized while some of the greatest speakers literally on the planet are standing on this stage and speaking to you, what hope do you have when you get back home? Okay? So I need to stay energized, that's my second thing. The third thing I need you to do is bring your authentic selves. Meaning, I'm gonna ask you questions and I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand and I'm gonna ask you to say things out loud that might make you feel uncomfortable. And there tends to be this thing that happens where we all just, we're, we're fine. I'm so fine, my life is perfect. Look at me, I'm at a conference, I'm doing great, nothing's wrong. I need you to be authentically yourself. Because if you can't be honest in this crowd, if you can't be real in this community with people who will admit that they are walking through hard seasons but they're fighting to get through them, if you can't do it here, where can you do it? So can you do that? Can you be authentic? Yeah. Awesome. So I want to thank you. I wanted to, uh, when, when I was coming in a few days before, I text Brendan and I said, hey, what do you want me to talk about? And he was like, oh, whatever your normal speech is. Just do, you got 90 minutes, you're just gonna come up, you're gonna do your normal speech. And I was like, oh, I don't have, I don't have a norm, I don't ever do the same speech twice. Is that a thing? Am I supposed to be doing the same one? Am I supposed to have slides? So I don't have the same thing that I do over and over. What I try and do is really put something together that speaks to you specifically. Because my mission here is to offer the most value in the time that we have together. And I don't know that I'm offering the most value if I'm not talking to you. So, I got to sit here yesterday. I got to sit and listen to these incredible speakers and be so inspired. And I used what happened yesterday to inform what I wanna talk about today. And my prayer over the last couple of days was, Lord, what haven't they heard? What haven't they heard? What do they need to hear? What's the thing? You know, when I stand backstage, it doesn't matter if I'm speaking to direct sales or if I'm talking personal development or if I'm at one of my own conferences, my intention is always, I believe that I was given this platform by something greater than me. And my intention is how do I use the things that um, you need to hear? And so here's what I think you need to hear. All the hard stuff. Because yesterday, what I thought was so inspiring and amazing and motivational were all of these bros. And I love bros, okay? I love me some guys. I love it. I, seriously, those guys are my heroes. Those are my mentors long before they knew who I was. I'm so inspired, I love it. But bros, no disrespect to the ones standing behind this curtain right now being like, thanks, Rach. Uh, <laughs> like, did we actually pay her? Um, is, here's the deal is that a lot of times it's like, go get the things, eat the world, eat the world with Tabasco sauce, do it. And I'm like, I come to these friends, I'm like, yes, I'm gonna do it. And then I go home and I have a 20 month old. And I'm like, wait, how? Because I can come to things like this and I can get so inspired and so fired up. And years ago, I'd come to personal and I would take a thousand notes and I would be ready to take on the world. And then I'd go back home and I'd get knocked off course. Does that resonate with anyone here? Yeah. So I was like, I'm gonna talk about all the hard things. I'm gonna talk about the stuff that is 100% going to throw you off course. I'm going to talk about the stuff, not the great dream the big dreams and aim at the goals and oh my gosh, you guys, that's so freaking important and I would not be standing here today if I wasn't one of the biggest dreamers, most massive goal setters you've ever met in your entire life. But dude, life's gonna get in the way. And if you are not ready for it, if you do not have a plan, you're in trouble. So I wanna talk about the stuff that's gonna throw you off. In no particular order, the first thing, that is 100% gonna throw you off. How many people in here are business, in a business, own a business, trying to grow their career? Yeah. Comparison. Start there. Comparison. 
This happens so often in that uh, we, when we're coming up in any kind of business or career or lifestyle or doing anything new, we tend to look outside of ourselves to see how we're doing. Does that resonate? Like you look to see how someone else is doing it to judge your worth. Real or not real? Right. So uh, the, the hard part about this is I think that we tend to do it in the areas that we are most insecure. So if you feel really confident about something, you don't need to look outside yourself because you like, I have got this. I know exactly how to demolish a bag of Doritos. I am good. I don't need to look around me. It's the things that we're not sure how to do that we decide to research. And the problem is, in an age of social media, our research looks like checking out someone else's feed to decide how we're supposed to do it. Because they tell you, and this is real, they're like, success leaves clues. Anyone ever heard that before? Success leaves clues. Look at the successful. And that's true, but I don't know that it's helping me to know how to be successful to look at how well her hair is blown out, right? So, even though my hair is really good today, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, we, we tend to do this about the areas that we're most insecure. And what I always think about is one of the most insecure times of my entire life, which was right after I'd had my first child. So, any parents in the room? Great. Parenting is the worst. It is the worst. Thank you. Because, because, First of all, I got pregnant. All the guys are like, oh, this is what happens when you put a woman on stage. Sorry, you've been running the world for 200 years. It's fine. It's fine. I'm going to talk about my uterus. It's fine. Thank you. So I get pregnant, and it's the worst, and I hate it. Anyone, like, love being pregnant? Ugh. So I get pregnant, and it's terrible, and I manage how terrible it is by eating Carl's Jr. every single day of the week. I gain a ton of weight. I truthfully get a varicose vein in a place that you should never. I have to wear, you wanna like, you wanna cry later? I'm gonna need you to Google. Remember yesterday, Brenda was like, go Google Les Brown at the Superdome or whatever. I'm gonna tell you, go Google groin support underwear for pregnant women. Do it. Do it. It's upsetting, it's not okay, and it's a real thing I had to do in my life, okay? So I hate the pregnancy, and I keep thinking, if I could just get this baby out of my body, then we're gonna be fine. That is a lie from the devil! That is a lie! I have the baby, and that's just a, that's a disaster, and then, they, they did, by the way, I was just thinking about this this morning. Do you ever think of how insane it is just that you think you decide to become a parent? Like any of us who, who actually chose, like, yes, I have accomplished humanity. I know how to be a human. I shall now raise other beings. What is wrong with us? So they literally, I have this baby, and they hand, they hand us the baby, and they do that thing where they're like, now keep it alive. And... <laughs> And I am like, first of all, I'm still wearing mesh underwear. Who knows what I'm talking about mesh underwear? All the women and like four good husbands. If you have a baby, if your partner has given birth to a child and you don't know what the mesh underwear are, you are a jerk. A good daddy will help her pull up the mesh underwear. He will put warm water in the squirt bottle. Get on our level. My goodness. So I'm a disaster. I'm wearing these things and I go home. And when you have a new baby, your first baby, it's like you're, you're fine. You're doing good because like your mom's still in town, you know, and she made you casseroles and you've got all the hormones. So you think like, I've got this. Like I'm you know, I'm actually really good at being a mom. And it's just because you're so tired that you're high. You don't know. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm surviving, right? Like I'm getting through, I'm surviving. And then I like to say about six weeks is when the wheels fall off. 
You know, because enough times, no one's coming anymore. They're not bringing you pizzas. Everyone's seen the baby. They're not helping. If you have a partner, the partner's probably back at work now. And I'm feeling real tired. I'm feeling really insecure. And my husband wakes up one morning and Chernobyl falls out of his mouth. He wakes up and he stretches. I'm tired. That's what he said. Have you ever heard of that TV show, Snapped? Uh, in it, if you're not familiar, it's like a basically normal person. They're totally fine. And then one day they just snap. Like, and it's usually a woman, by the way. I'm not even kidding. It's usually a woman who snapped. So that was me. He, he woke up, he said, I'm tired. Cause I don't know, the, the pee under the mattress was lumpy for the princess. I don't know what made him tired. Cause I was the one who was getting up with the baby. So um, he says he's tired and I like, I, like, I start to twitch and I'm, I'm laughing and I'm crying and I'm thinking in my head, I hope you're prayed up because you're about to meet Jesus tonight, son. I'm gonna strangle you with the cords of my breast pump. And now my mom's gonna have to raise this baby, which is terrible because she just got super into doTERRA. She bought all in. You know, she doesn't have time to raise Jackson, but I'm going to prison and he's gonna be with Jesus, so we're in trouble. So it was a disaster, like everything snowballed from there. I was the most insecure I ever was, and so I did the thing that people do when they're insecure. I started researching. Now, this was um, Pinterest days. Now, I started, I have an 11 year old, so I became a mom before Instagram. I honestly think if I was a new mom in Instagram days, I would just put the baby in my arms and, you know, go live in the woods. I don't even know. It's such a disaster. But Pinterest was pretty bad. If, if you're a dude, I don't know if you're familiar with Pinterest, but it's this search engine on how to be a perfect woman. And. <laughs> If you don't do exactly what Pinterest tells you to do, you're failing at everything in your life. And it's the worst place you could possibly go when you have a new baby because you just see all the things that you're not. And then you feel even worse. Um, do you know who Brooke Burke is? Like Doritos eating Brooke Burke? So Brooke Burke has a daughter that's two weeks older than my son. And you're like, why do you know that? Are you the president of the Brooke Burke fan club? No, I am not. I know this because I decided that the other great thing for my life at the time was to read through like celebrity magazines like Us Weekly. So there I am, you know, just disaster zone. I haven't showered in three days. And I swear to you, seven weeks after her baby, Brooke is running on the beach, abs are back, and it's like body after baby. How did you get that way, Brooke? Oh, just regular eating and exercise. And I'm like, <laughs> So my question to you is what are the areas in your life that you feel insecure about, that you look at other people to see how they're doing to decide how you're doing? Especially if any people in this room, and I think we do have a lot of life coaches and things like that, you start to compare yourself. Has anyone watched any speaker on this stage in the last 24 hours and thought, I could never? Yeah, I wanna do that, but I couldn't make that much money. Or come on, don't, don't be precious, be real. You're already telling yourself the narrative of why it's never gonna be you. Does that resonate? You're already telling yourself, I can never speak like Brendan does. I could never um, be as funny as Tony was. I could never have hair as good as Rachel. <laughs> you can actually, these are extensions, by the way. Uh, but you're already telling yourself all the reasons that you're not going to do well. You're already comparing. And what I'm gonna tell you right now is just like eighth grade math. Keep your eyes on your own paper. Put your head down and do the work. Brendan talked yesterday about like randomness and how you're wasting this time. How many of us, be truthful, are wasting time checking out what the competition is doing, right? We wanna go see like, we get discouraged or we feel like we're having a hard day. I do this too. And you go look at Brendan's Instagram feed 
or you go look to see what Ed Milet is up to. You go look at, does anyone do that? You're like, oh, they'll motivate me or I'll see what they're doing or that's gonna get me there. Guys, if you need external motivation to be the kind of person that you wanna be, you're in trouble. Being who you wanna be has to come from here. Because here's the thing, if you believe that you need me or any of these guys or going to conferences or the books to live the life that you wanna live, you are in trouble because we are not gonna be there with you on Monday. We are not gonna be there next week when your kid gets sick, when you get sick, when the bills are due. We're not gonna be there. So you have to find it in yourself. And if you find that you keep comparing yourself, it's not serving you in any way. You know something radical? You don't have to consume social media. Holy crap. Holy crap. Holy crap. You do not have to consume social media. If it, if it is not healthy for you, if it is not helpful, if it is not serving you, why are you doing it? And what I get when I say this a lot, especially people who use, anyone use social media for their business? Right, so this is what I get a lot. People say, well, um, if I'm not using social media, like if you, you say don't use social media, but I need to use it for my business, I would argue I have one of the fastest growing social media platforms in the world. Do you know how often I go consume other people's stuff? Zero. Oh, I do look at memes. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> memes are my favorite thing, and any of my friends will tell you memes are my love language, so I do go on Instagram and I look at memes. I do not look at, I don't want to see, and this is not disrespectful, I love a beautiful photo, I love, but if something, anything starts to take me away from the work that I'm trying to do or makes me feel this big, I just don't consume it, you guys. Don't be dumb. That's what I would tell my 11-year-old. I, I was um, working with these kids last weekend, we were helping build sets for my son's play, and an 11-year-old started to drill his finger just to see how it would feel, and I was like, don't be dumb! And then I thought, oh shoot, I don't know if a parent volunteer is about to, uh, allowed to yell that at other people's kids. But that's what I'm gonna say to you. Write it down on your thing. Don't be dumb. If something doesn't make you feel good, stop doing it. And by the way, hold on. I don't mean like working out or eating kale. You know better. Come on. So stop comparing. That's the number one thing that's gonna get in your way. The second thing that's gonna get in the way is yourself. Y'all, we are doing a community-wide challenge and it's totally free and I am challenging you to join us. It's called Next 90 Days, as in how can we be intentional, thoughtful leaders for the next 90 days? We're going to need our community. We're going to need accountability more than ever. So I want you to head over to theholliscode.com slash next 90. That's theholliscode.com slash N-E-X-T nine zero and join us. Every single week, Dave and I will be teaching on a different topic, things like perspective or reaching for joy or dealing with anxiety in these crazy times. We are going to give you so many free resources and surround you with community. When we did this at the end of last year, we had 650,000 people sign up and we feel like it can be bigger than ever come together in a community of like-minded people and let's learn how to choose our mindset no matter what is happening in the world around us. The stories in your head, the limiting beliefs, the excuses that you keep making, you are the biggest obstacle in your life. Do you understand that? You are the greatest advantage you have, you are the most powerful thing that you have, and you are also your biggest obstacle. Tell me some of the reasons that you're not yet where you wanna be. Shout them out. Habit, Habit. Oh, oh, stop, I love you, stop it. Don't use personal development talk. <laughs> Someone's like, a limiting beliefs, teacher. My limiting beliefs are holding me back. No, like, give me real talk. What's holding you back? Your kids, what else? Fear, what else? Procrastination, what else? What was that? Negativity, awesome. Politicians, oh Lord. So someone said one of the things that are holding them back is their kids. And I'm not, um, I don't mean to be disrespectful because kids are the worst sometimes and they do require you to keep them alive and so that's a lot of work. 
Um, are there any women who are successfully doing what you want to do and have kids? Yeah. Right, right. So then how valid is that belief? Where's my, where's my kids person? Who said it? You did. Okay, tell me about that. First of all, well, never mind. Keep going. Yes. I can't say anything. Anything I say is going to be inappropriate. Yes. You have seven kids. That's a lot of children. Okay, right? Yeah, they take a lot of time. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so that means what? You feel what about that? Yeah. You feel guilty? Yeah. Mom guilt? Oh, mom guilt. Who feels mom guilt? Who feels dad guilt? Do you really? You feel dad guilt? That makes me feel better. Thank you. Okay, then I'm going to speak to, because usually guys are like, what's that? You feel guilty for existing? How weird. Um, sorry. So then I'm going to speak to parent guilt. I'm going to speak about mom guilt, and I'm going to assume that it applies to dads too. Uh, what's your name? Amanda. Amanda. So Amanda feels some mom guilt. Uh, mom guilt. Does, does everyone know what that means? So it's this insidious, terrible, disgusting thing that has really manifested hardcore in the last decade that says that you need to be a certain way, act a certain way, show up in a certain way in order to be a good mom. Here's what a good mom does. Here's who a good mom is. A good mom somewhere in the last however many years, we started to decide that a good mom was the kind of mom that lived only and ever for her children, right? Or let's say parents of any kind. Um, I had the opportunity to go to Ethiopia a couple of years ago. Do you know, you don't, I don't know why I just said, do you know? <laughs> like, do you know the conversation I have with a woman in Ethiopia? You're like, no, you're, I'm not insane. Um, sorry. <laughs> I told you guys I was super awkward. Uh, so I'm in Ethiopia trying to talk to a mother in Ethiopia in this program that we were there supporting that had been built by Ethiopians. And it found women who were in extreme poverty and helped them to build businesses to then support their children. So the, the women that I'm speaking to were recently prostitutes who had gone through this year-long program and came out the other end with the ability to have their own business and make money for their children. Do you know that women in developing countries cannot even fathom mom guilt. They literally don't know the words you're saying. They're like, women in your country feel badly because they have the blessing of being able to make money for their family. They literally can't process it. This is so twisted because either you are making money that supports your family or you're doing something, you're building something, even if it's not at the revenue place that you want to be yet, you're building something that lights your heart on fire. True or not? True. Right. So here's something that I want to say to every parent in this room. You were someone before you were their mom and that person still matters. So let me ask you this. Do you feel guilty? because of the time that you're spending away or because, listen, the business isn't successful yet, and so then you feel even more guilty because I'm spending money or I'm spending time on something that's not really producing results. That one, that one. yeah. So, um, so then it's like, it's even worse because you can't even say that you're contributing in, in some massive way to your family, so then there's this huge guilt because you're like, well, it's just, it's my dream, right? Is it a family business or it's just your thing? It's a family business. So your, um, your husband or your partner works on it with you? Husband, he's there too? Do you feel guilty, sir? You feel guilty about time away from the kids. Are you present when you're with them? Meaning, you put the phones away and you're present and you're intentional with your children when you're with them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something y'all are struggling with. Do you know it's a struggle? What are you doing to improve? Like... That's incredible. They're going through a two-week detox. That's awesome. What else? Yeah, trying to, okay. Uh, so, so we've got to be careful with our words. Guys, words have a ton of power. By the way, let me just say this real quick. I love you all so hard. I love you so bad. It's not even funny. And, but don't let the hair fool you. I am not your cheerleader. I am your coach. I'm going to give you a hard time, and it's because I love you. Be very careful with the words. Listen to me. Trying is failing. If you say you're gonna try and go to the gym, 
If you say you're gonna try and eat dinner together, if you say that you're gonna try and be more intentional, you're gonna fail at it because you don't actually have a plan to make that happen. So an easier thing for you and this, like the relief of, okay, we've got, what nights? We eat dinner together as a family Tuesday and Thursday or on Wednesdays or every Sunday and it's a big deal. Guys, for those of you who are struggling with this guilt around having a business and having dreams and taking care of your baby simultaneously, what they want is intentional time with you that's focused, not every single hour of every day, staring at them nonstop, living up their butts, doing, sorry, that was so inappropriate. like helicopter parenting and they're going everywhere and like what does little Johnny want and it's like well honey little Johnny is going to turn 18 in a minute and not know how to function without you there number one number two or he's going to spread his wings and fly and who are you then because you've spent your entire life living only for these children it's a beautiful thing I'm so proud of the family that we've built and are trying to build with these kids but at the same time you are so people you are showing them in real time every single person here who is a parent and a business owner you are showing them in real time you're showing your children how to pursue their dreams so what you're showing them right now is go all in pursue it with your whole heart but feel guilty about it Be your best self, live your dreams, do all the things and feel shame. You're showing them in real time how to be grownups. So right now, you're gonna teach them what it means to be an entrepreneur and be a business owner. And that means like with our family, my kids have only known a mom who's an entrepreneur. My kids only know a mom who travels constantly. They only know that, that's all they've ever known. It's a part of our family. And years ago, I decided something. I was like drowning in this guilt and and just suffering from the anxiety of what this meant for two reasons. Number one, I needed to make a decision just like you need to make a decision. Every single day, I'm gonna do my freaking best. I'm going to try my best to be the best mom, to be the best wife, to be the best leader, to be the best teacher or speaker. Everything I do, I wanna do with my whole heart. And if I'm gonna do, if I'm gonna pursue every single day like that, and if you're gonna pursue every single day like that, you cannot continue to feel guilt. Because listen, it's not serving you and it's not serving your children. It's not helping anybody. In fact, does anyone ever feel guilt or shame and then just have tons of energy? (laughs) Don't be dumb. Come on, these things aren't serving you and yet we wallow in them because it's what we know. The other thing that we do most often, and now I am gonna talk to moms. If guys, if this resonates, great, but this is a mom thing typically, is that we have anxiety and guilt because of what other moms think of how we're mothering. Real or not? Yep. So if you're a working mom and you, I don't know how it is where you live, but if you go drop your kids off at school and and all the moms are there, the PTA moms, And I freaking love the PTA moms because they make it possible. I will write a check. I will buy a baked good at the grocery store and bring it to the bake sale. I will do all the things. But I do not, I do not volunteer at my kid's school. I don't. Unless, I know there's women in the room who are like, oh my Lord, I thought she was a good mom. She's actually Satan's wife, we have got to get out of here. No, when I first had my son, when my son started elementary school, I volunteered for everything. I was class mom, I stuffed the Thursday folders, I sat at those teeny tiny tables cutting stupid things. Anyone know what I'm talking about? It's so, it's the most boring. I would rather gouge my eyes out with a spork. It's the worst. It's so, but like, if you say that, maybe in this, I know there are women in this room right now, maybe some men who are like, oh, she's not a good mom. Like, imagine being on the internet with a massive social media following and you're like on a business trip. Imagine the DMs you get about what a piece of crap you are, about how little you love your kids, about, oh, it must be nice to have someone else raise your children for you. Oh, that must be nice. Meanwhile, nobody's ever said that to my husband. Nobody ever thought it was weird that he wanted to build a career or he wanted to make money. And yet there is this expectation, most often by other women, that we're doing it wrong because we're not doing it how they do it. 
the biggest gift that you can give yourself The biggest gift you can give yourself is to stop caring what other people think of you. Has anyone read Girl, Wash Your Face? Other people's opinions are none of your business. Do they love you? None of your business. Do they hate you? None of your business. None of your business. And that includes, it's gonna trip you out, that includes the people you love most. So uh, in my life, this manifested uh, on the business side of things with um, both of our families on both sides. We had come from really traditional families where the man worked and the woman stayed home and raised the babies and that's what you did and that's what you should aspire to do. And I had built, uh, I've been an entrepreneur for 14 years. I had built an event planning company in LA and I slowly but surely was like making my way and I started to get bigger and bigger clients and started to make more and more revenue. I was so proud of myself. And then the events business, um, it was really growing and it was awesome. And then all of a sudden we hit a, a, a point in time where suddenly my husband made enough money where I didn't have to work anymore, which was such a massive blessing, but I still wanted to work. And no one in our family could understand that. Why would you ever work if you don't have to? And so we started to get like little people talking behind our back or saying different things. And then I kept growing the business, growing the business. I started um, blogging, I started speaking, I started, and that side of the business grew. And I had a staff of five and I had six figure revenue, which if you owned a blog in 2010 was crazy. And I was really proud of what we were building. But if you asked me at a party, a family party or a, a party for Dave's work, if you asked me what I did, I'd be like, oh, I, I have a little blog. Anyone do that? Anyone have a little business? Anyone have a side hustle? Anyone make it small? Oh, it's just this little thing that I do. It's just this because um, your dream is so big that it makes other people uncomfortable. So you keep making yourself smaller to try and fit into the ideal that they have for you. One of the biggest gifts you can give yourself is to stop caring what other people think. Because here's the deal, your sister, your mother-in-law, they're not the ones who get to live with regret. They're not the ones who are in the ring. They are not the ones who are on the field. They are not the ones who are fighting for a better life or a bigger life. They are not the ones. You are the one. So if you are not on the field with me, if you're not in the ring with me, you don't get an opinion. Someone in the cheap seats does not get an expensive opinion in your life. Do you hear me? Hey you guys, if you like the Rise or Rise Together podcast, you're gonna love my monthly live coaching series. What did you just say? I'm doing a coaching series. I'm, I'm like your favorite coach, but with hair extensions and eyelash extensions and a pension for Beyonce. What kind of coaching are you coaching? Okay, thank you for asking. There's actually two different classes. One is life coaching. Those are for people who wanna work on their relationship, their health, their personal, all the personal stuff. And then there's something I'm really excited about, business coaching. I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years. I'm really proud of the company that I've built and I want to share that wisdom with you. So if you own a small business and you wanna dig into how to do social media, how to find new clients, how to grow your revenue base. This is how we're gonna do it. I bet they can get more info at thehollisco.com. You sure are right, buddy. You can watch videos about what the coaching series is all about, how you join in, and what is included with your membership. The, the expectations of what other people are gonna think of us for being our freaking selves is insane. There are so many people, like to me, Personal development is yes, you're learning tools and you're learning tricks, but what I have understood personal development to be over the last you know, decade that I've been inside of it is personal development was about me having the courage to be myself. Does that resonate? Do you feel like there are people like are in this room right now that you're like, I have a dream, I have a goal. It's so big, I don't even wanna tell anybody what it is. Anyone have one of those dreams? 
And whether you're like, oh, yesterday when um, Brendan was asking us to write down the three things and how are you gonna show up? I was like, I don't even wanna tell people what this is because it's so obnoxious. Anyone have that? So what you do instead is you just decide to keep it inside where it won't bother anybody. We do this all the time. We decide to dim ourselves. We make ourselves smaller. We make our light dimmer so that our glow won't bother anybody else. Who here is doing things or making choices based on other people's opinions? Let me try it again. Who here has anxiety? Now, you have anxiety. Here's the question I always ask, especially to women who have anxiety. Who are you trying to please? Exactly. Who are you trying to be? Who do you think that you're supposed to be in order to have other people love or like you? Because in my, in my experience, I have had such bad anxiety in the past and it was because I was trying to be something I wasn't. I thought if I just have the most elaborate toddler birthday parties, if I make the biggest Thanksgiving dinners, then my mother-in-law is not gonna think that my kids are missing out. Anyone do that? Try and show off a life, try and live a certain way, try to make your Instagram feed so beautiful so that the people will think that you're the person you're supposed to be, right? Are you there? Thank you. So one of the biggest gifts, one of the biggest lessons in my life was getting to a place where I just stopped caring. And that included what even my husband thought about me and where I was going and what I was doing with my life. It's the third thing that I would say is gonna get in your way. Other people's opinions. Years ago, um, I, I am like the biggest book nerd you've ever met in your entire life, ever. Okay, I love to read, I read nonstop, and I do read a ton of nonfiction because it helps me become who I wanna be, but I also read a lot. And so I decided years ago that I was gonna write a book. Anyone here wanna write a book? Started writing a book? Yeah, thinking about it, have an idea in your head? So I, that was me, so I had this idea, I wanted to write this fiction book, and started writing it, apparently I wrote it with a quill and parchment, I don't know what this was. Uh, so I started writing this book on weekends, and then uh, out of the blue, I had a blog that was really popular at the time, and out of the blue, a literary agent emailed me, which never happens, and the lit agent said, um, hey, we, we, we think you could have, we think you'd be an author, we think you'd have a book. And I have wanted to be an author since I was 11 years old, and I understood that people wrote books. It was a lifetime dream of mine, and I was like, this is it, this, we've, we've done it. I've, uh, someone has finally seen the genius in me. I am going to be an author. And what I thought was if, I really thought, if you could just finish a book, then you'll be a famous author. I mean, then the Pulitzer Committee will just immediately award the prize. So she says this to me and she says, uh, you know, and I'm like, yeah, actually I'm writing a book. And at the time I was writing a book, about um, a time traveler who traveled to historical places and ended up falling in love with a soldier. And, and it was, so I said this to her, this age, I didn't know, I, I'm just the dumbest country mouse you ever met in your life. So I was just like, here's my idea. Uh, and she was like, oh no. Um, she said, actually, I, we were thinking about the fact that you were a celebrity event planner. We were trying to think of a way you could do a book based on that. So she said, let me see if I can figure out how you could write about working with celebrities, doing celebrity weddings and write fiction. And she sent an email the next day and she said, have you ever thought about writing a Romana Clay? And my family are Oki, so I read Roman a Clef. And I was like, I don't know what that means. So I had to Google it. And I found out that a Romana Clay is when you write a story about real people, usually celebrities, but you change the name so nobody knows who you're writing about. A great example of this is Devil Wears Prada. So she says, uh, would you ever consider writing a Romana Clay? And I'm like, a hundred percent. Cause I moved from a small country town to LA at 17 years old, got thrust into this world. I have stories for days, like A-list celebrity clients, the worst people on the planet, here I go. So I start writing. They are, they're terrible. I know Tony was up here like, oh, and I train. I'm like, they're all terrible people. No, I don't, I don't know. So anyway, uh, so I write this book, we turn it in, and then once you finish a book, um, your agent goes and shops it to publishers. And the first few declines come back in there, but they're very polite. They're like, oh, it's not for us, but um, this seems really great, like keep going. And I'm like, 
It's, I mean, it's not great, but they said to keep going. That must mean I'm on to something. Uh, so it gets to two different publishers, like to the second round. And I have a call. They say, will you do a conference call with us? I'm like, yes, I will. And I do a conference call. And on the call, they're saying all the nice things. I'm like, what, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's, um, it's really sweet. And I was like, it is sweet. Oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Because I'm dumb, and I didn't understand that sweet was a bad thing. So sweet, are there children in this room? Great, thank you. So sweet is what publishers say, meaning there's, there's no sex in this book. And remember that I am a Pentecostal preacher's daughter. So she says, this book is very sweet, but it was right around the time that Fifty Shades of Grey had become what Fifty Shades of Grey was. And so she says, I mean, do you think you could put a little sex in the book? Um, now, is anyone old enough to remember an after-school special? Okay. For those of you who don't remember, there were these really cheesy shows that came on after school when we were younger and that were so over the top and cheesy. And it would be like the captain of the cheerleading team would be like, I'll be your friend if you shoot this heroin into your eyeball. Like, it was crazy. It was never calm. It was never like, here's a cigarette. It would be like, snort crank off the back of his shoulder. It was crazy. Sorry. special where someone was literally saying, we will give you your lifelong dream if you write sex into this book. And number one, I was like, I don't even know how. I don't even, anyone read chapter seven of Girl, Wash Your Face? You know, that was a very confusing time for me. I did not, I didn't even know how to do it, let alone write about it. So I was like, I cannot. Oh my goodness. I was like, no, I don't think I can. And she said, oh, okay well, then we're not interested. And I was like, oh, that is painful. Let me just remove the knife. Um, so then I had another call with another publisher and the exact same thing happened. And the very last day, the very last publisher called and said that they did not want the book. I shut the door to the bathroom and I ugly cried. Like on the floor, my dreams are over. Have you ever had one of those cries? Like, it's done. Like, I always say it's like, remember when they used to surprise Oprah by bringing back her second grade teacher? Anyone? And she would like sob. That was me. I was on the floor and I remember my son knocked on the door as I'm sobbing in the bathroom. He's like, mommy. And I was like, go find your father. My dreams are dead. Someone else can make you a sandwich. So I cry and cry and cry. And then I... I was like, wait a minute. I stand up off the bathroom floor, I swear to God, walk to the kitchen, pour a glass of wine, and I Googled, how do you self-publish a book? Because I thought, dang, Rach, you're already here. You already did the hardest part. So I figured out how to self-publish this book, and I uh, can't afford a model, so the cover of the book still to this day are the back of my legs that are Photoshopped so that they look great. We, we self-published the book, we put it on sale, and the first weekend I sold 50 copies, and I promise you that 49 of them were Dave Hollis, guaranteed. <laughs> he still has that box somewhere. And a, someone started to hand it to someone who handed it to someone. And the very reason that every publisher turned it down because it was too sweet was the reason that it took off. Because in a world where everyone was going like this, I did something different. <laughs> and that book started to sell and sell and sell, and I did not have much of a social following, and it kept growing and it kept growing, and six months later, a publisher called and we said, they said, wow, like we can see these numbers. We'd like to buy this book and turn it into a series. And that process launched my publishing career. That was my first book. The book that came out in February was my sixth book. It took about six years and six books. And it made me an author. It gave me the opportunity to have fans. It fulfilled a lifelong dream. And if I had listened to everyone's opinion, it would still be sitting on my computer. Y'all, listen, listen. Nobody gets to tell you what you can have. 
Nobody gets to tell you how big you can dream. They can talk all day long, but it is up to you to decide whether or not you're going to listen. My question for you today is whose opinions are you listening to right now? Because if you were living full out, your heart is open, your life's on fire, you're getting up every morning, you're doing all the things, you would be further along than you are. Real or not? And my challenge to you right now is that if you were living your life for yourself instead of other people's opinions of you, you would be further along by now. The fourth thing that's gonna get in your way. Life. Life's gonna get in your way. Someone's gonna get sick. Uh, the washing machine's gonna break, you're not gonna have money to fix it. Anyone going home to bills they can't afford? Debt they don't want, right? Anyone going home to, a, to an environment either because of work or life or relationships that is so stressful you don't even wanna think about it right now. Thank you for your honesty. You're here right now, and right now while you're here, you have this opportunity to have your cup filled back up. You have this opportunity to like sit in this space with these people and be inspired and like, yeah, I can do anything, I can do anything. And then Wednesday's gonna come. Something's gonna happen to throw you off your game. Anyone have something right now in their life that's throwing them off their game? I do. Other people just killing it, nobody, nothing's throwing you off, your life's perfect, all right. Liars. So like, like something's gonna happen, it's gonna throw you off your game. And we do this thing, like we are so obsessed with habits, which is why Brendan said, I talked about his book nonstop, High Performance Habits, I loved it so much. And we're obsessed with habits and the habits that you need to be able to, order, to live the life you wanna live at the level that you wanna live it. And I think habits are everything. And oftentimes when we're doing live streams, we do live streams every Monday through Friday, we do live streams and people say like, yeah, but what do you do? You know, cause our habits are things like drinking water, working out every day, eating clean, all of these things. And they're like, yeah, but what do you do when you find out that your mom has cancer? What do you do when the bank defaults on your loan? What do you do, what do you do, what do you do when life gets hard? Because you taught me to do these things, but that was fine when things were easy and comfortable and okay, but now it's hitting the fan and I don't know what to do. What, what do you do then? And I'm like, oh man, y'all thought we were training you in habits for when life was good. We were trying to give you habits, and I want to encourage you to have habits that you can fall on when life is crap. When you are on the floor crying and you don't know what happens next. Those are the things that are going to sustain you, your faith. There's a really great book called The Hard Thing About Hard Things, uh, which is Ben Horowitz, who's a huge, huge, huge financial investor. And um, it's great, and he describes business as rap lyrics, and I just really loved it. Um, but there's this thing that he says about the difference between a wartime general and a peacetime general. Like, it's really easy to lead an army when you're at peace. It requires something totally different when you're at war. And there are gonna be times in your life where you are going to feel like you are at war where things come up and get in your way and you need something to fall back on. One of my favorite quotes that gets attributed to me all the time, but 100%, I, it's a John Maxwell quote and I fully stole it from him, is hope is not a strategy. Hoping that life is gonna get better is not a strategy. Hoping that you're just gonna become who you wanna be without working on it is not a strategy. Hoping, you know what tripped me out yesterday? I love these moments when you're at a conference like this, when Brendan drew out that map, like, oh, what got you here were these four things, and you think you're gonna get to the next level here. Did anyone else go like, oh, that's what I've been doing? That was me yesterday, I was like, oh no, I thought it was beyond this. It was such a good reminder that you've got to shake it up. You've got to do the same things. You've got to keep pushing harder, but you need a new strategy and the stuff that got you here will not get you there. Yeah. 
You have got to come at a higher level. And that means that you have got to be crazy, crazy obsessive about what you need to do in order to perform at the level you want to perform. Because life is going to get in the way. The fifth thing that's going to knock you off your game. Shoot, it's fully left my brain. Wait. Other people's opinions, life, yourself. What else did I say? Comparison. There's one more and it's so good. Oh, I don't want to forget it. I could pretend that it wasn't there like Brendan almost did yesterday with his number five. Shoot. You know he forgot it, right? Oh, 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 I got it. And the Brendan thing made it true for me is um, lack of motivation. You're going to lose momentum. You're going to be here right now and you're going to lose momentum next week or two weeks from now. And so you're going to do what I used to do when I came to personal development conferences is I thought I got to go back to UPW. I've got to go see Dave Ramsey again. I've got to read another book. I've got to listen to that podcast. I thought that I needed that same formula to get me there. When in reality, that can become a crutch. Does that resonate with anyone here? Yes, right? Thinking that you've got to keep, and, and please, oh my gosh, they're going to punch me in the face. They're like, did you just say not to go to conferences? No, I have a conference. Come to mine, please. Um, but like, if you trick yourself into believing that you need that to be the person, then we're not doing a very good job as your teachers. If you think that you need the teacher to live your life the way you want to, then you're not learning the stuff that you need to learn. So what you need to do is to figure out how can you have the momentum that you need? How can you have the motivation that you need even when you're not in an environment like this? And um, it's something, because I talk about motivation a lot, so I get the question a lot. It's like people, you know, how do I motivate myself? How do I? People think that motivation like is this magic pill that's gonna suddenly make you want to do the thing you didn't wanna do. You're never gonna wanna do the thing. Motivation is not, can I do something that makes me wanna do it? Motivation is, can I make myself do the thing that I don't wanna do because I understand how important it is to become the person I wanna be, it, I, right? Like, what is the leverage that you need to have to force yourself to get to the place that you wanna get to? I'm sure you have because you're this massive PD audience, but everybody here has watched the TED Talk of Mel Robbins' Five Second Rule, yes? Awesome, if you haven't watched it, write it down in your notebook, Five Second Rule, Mel Robbins. So she has this TED Talk where she's, she's speaking about counting down from five and launching yourself off like a rocket. Like no matter what it is, you promise yourself that when you get to one, you're gonna do the thing. So she needed a way that she could stop procrastinating. And so she says, when I get down to one, no matter what it is, I'm gonna do it. So uh, five, four, three, two, one, I'm gonna go to the gym. Five, four, three, two, one, I'm gonna do whatever. And so I'm watching this video and I'm thinking, what are the things in my life that I need to motivate myself to do? And I was like, well, I don't, you know what I need is I need a trigger. I need a cue that no matter where I am or how I'm feeling, I can do this thing and it'll make me go. And so I made five, four, three, two, one into a pump myself up. So we're gonna do this together as a group. I'm gonna teach you this trick that I use. I truly use it every day of my life to motivate myself to do things I don't wanna do. First, you're gonna put down your notebooks. Okay, everyone, you're gonna put down your notebooks, put your computer down, get ready. I'm gonna count down from five. And when we get to one, my homies in the back are going to blast this song like, like you're at your cousin Crystal's wedding and your mother-in-law has the kids and you've got on your good bra and your Sphinx and you've had three glasses of Chardonnay, okay? That's the level I need you to bring it at. But they're gonna play the volume like, like we got into a club and not even a club we were legally allowed to be in. Like we got our big sister's ID and we got into the Florentine Gardens and we are about to live our best lives, okay? And you better dance it out like your life freaking depends on it because guess what? It does.
If you cannot show up for your life right now, and I don't care if you feel stupid, and I don't care if you're an introvert, I don't care. If you can't show up for your life right now, what are you gonna do when you get home? Okay? Is everyone ready? Your hearts are ready. All right. Five, four, three, two, one! ago from this state from this state could you show up for your life from this state could you make a phone call you don't want to make from this state could you force yourself to go to the gym when you don't feel like it from this state could you calm down and not scream at your kids even though they're being jerks right you know I mean my kids know like if Beyonce's on and I'm like you know, they're like, oh, mom's pissed. <laughs> Come back in five minutes, she'll be fine. <laughs> Motivation is not like the, the magic thing that's gonna get you there. Motivation is, can you force yourself to do something? And for me, I needed a trigger. I needed a cue and I needed it to be something fun before it was something potentially hard. So I love music. I love it. Anyone else love music, love to dance? Yeah. So I needed something and that little pump me up gets me there and then I can go. And so what I like to tell you, very practical piece of advice, is I like to recommend that every single person have something on Spotify that I like to call a badass playlist. And what's great about Spotify is that you can make a playlist of literally any song except Garth Brooks. I don't know why he's not on Spotify. Um, literally any song ever in the whole wide world, you can make and it's just ready to go and play for you. So I recommend you have something on your phone called a badass playlist. And the great thing is your version of pump me up music is going to be different than mine. So. My, my playlist on my phone is called Mogul, because that's my power word, that's my tattoo that's on my wrist. And every single song on Mogul is the most inappropriate song you've ever heard in your whole life. And my fans know that I have it, so they're like, oh, share the Mogul playlist with us. And I'm like, no way. You will never talk to me again. Uh, so it's music that really like makes you feel like you can take on the world. And that's different for every single person. So for me, that's Kendrick Lamar and Cardi B and old school hip hop. For you, it might be like, you know, 90s worship. I don't know. Anyone? Anyone? A little Point of Grace? A little Amy Grant? You know, a little El Shaddai up in here? I don't know. I don't judge you. Newsboys! I mean, what would people think if they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? I don't know, you do you, sis! But as long as you have something that at a moment's notice you can turn it on and fire yourself up, and here is the key with the playlist. Don't ever use it unless you have to. It's like the nuclear codes. Don't ever use it unless you have to. So when you're at the, when you like can't get yourself to go to the gym or have you ever gone to the gym and then like, you're like, well, I'm here for three minutes. I'm leaving now. Be honest. Have you ever left the gym after like three minutes? That's when you need your playlist. If you um, are in a business where you have clients and you need to call someone and you need to pitch business or you need to sell. Remember yesterday, even freaking Tony Horton was too afraid to sell. Remember that? If you're afraid to sell, if you, man, you need to put on your playlist, you need to dance around and you stand in a Wonder Woman power pose, even if you're a man, and you need to get yourself there, okay? Promise me you're gonna make a playlist. Thank you. You are in control of what happens next. You are capable of greatness, but you're gonna have to get out of your own way. You are capable of achieving big things, but you're gonna have to believe more in yourself and you believe in the opinions of other people. You are going to have to show up for your freaking lives unapologetically and take ownership of what happens next, because guess what? The only thing worse than quitting is wishing that you hadn't. 
The only thing worse than giving up on yourself or your dream is watching someone else live the life that you know you could have lived. Stop drowning in this space. Stop accepting their perceptions of who you are supposed to be and live your life to the fullest. Tomorrow is not a guarantee. We heard two people say that on stage yesterday and I saw how many people raised their hands when we talked about you've lost someone or you've had a near-death experience. Your life is passing you by. You have got to have the courage to show up for it. Thank you. on more than just this podcast, which means that the next time you're on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, be sure and type Rachel Hollis into the search bar and check out all the fun things we have going on on your favorite platform.